up our podcast this week the only good Morrissey left David Morrissey pops in to talk about his new BBC TV show The City and the City plus all the usual news and nonsense on the movie podcast that watched Baychella and didn't see what all the fuss was about. Optimus Prime didn't even show up once. Hello, Pod, I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the Empire Podcast, which is brought to you this week once again by those lovable people at Sky Cinema, the dedicated home for movie lovers. Later in the show, I'll be pointing out... What? Yes, that that was Michael Bay joke. It really, because it was hard to tell. Was it, 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 was it was a joke. Bay, Baychella. No, I got it, but it's Bay with an E, obviously. Like... But it sounds like Bay with an A. I know, but I feel like comparing Beyonce to Michael Bay is some sort of fireable offence. I just, I just, I'm, I'm upset by it. But it's, it's a clever play. I is just it? saw, you, I just saw you looking at me. You were judging me. You were yes, judging. I mean, obviously, you were I'm judging. judging you. Sure. Later in the show, I'll be pointing out a couple of movies you can watch on Sky Cinema. Just two from the thousand plus films that are available on demand on that service, including a brand new premiere every day. How? Exciting! This week I'm joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning. Uh, first up, she has returned, as you have heard, and so has her voice after last <laughs> week's raspathon. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. It, it's mostly back. It's a little bit off still. But Helen O'Hara, hi. in case you didn't know. Hi. Hi. Hi, hi everybody. It's me, Helen O'Hara. I'm back again. Yeah, I'm back. My yeah. legs are working. My voice is working. It's all fine. You ran another marathon at the weekend, which I is... Did, yeah. Astonishing to me that you can actually do that. Well, uh, ran is a strong word for my, my pace, but I did it, so that's good. Uh, we're also joined by Empire's editor in chief, Digital, which I think means that Skynet will spare him when the missiles start flying. James Dyer. We can but hope. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can know, but hope. Hope is, a, hope is a two-way street. You, buddy, you yeah. may have different views. <laughs> no, of course, I want you to survive the uncommon and almost inevitable nuclear holocaust. That'll be. Someone needs to podcast. That's true. Someone that is to... true. Someone needs to podcast. It'll just yeah. be me podding on my own in the wasteland, <laughs> just broadcasting out. Call it to pod, no one. Pod apocalyptic. Yeah. Or post apocalyptic. So there's two potential shows that you could be doing in, <laughs> in the smoking ruins <laughs> the of smoking London. Smoking ruins of the waste. Yeah. Whilst fighting off irradiated rats. Well, I I always feel that it'll be a bit like Reign of Fire. You know, it'll just be me, Jerry Butler. Matthew McConaughey and a load of dragons. Wait, so you, you see this yourself is, inexplicably this in the Christian like a, Bale role. Does this sound like a weird sex it's, fantasy? It's really it wasn't meant to come across that way. Look, I'm a dragon of fire. What can I tell you? I mean, Christian Bale in that film is, is abstastic. He is. He, he really is. has. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Both of you leapt in really quickly with affirmations. Yeah. Oh, love, he, love those abs. Yeah. He, he, no, he's, that, that's a good film for him. It's a good look. I thought you were going to be Van Zandt. Yes, yes, that that would probably have been a better way to go with that anecdote. Right. Yes, yeah, yes. Oh well, should have done that. Did I reckon they... I could act out the Empire Strikes Back though quite well. So you yeah, know, yeah, that's true. Yeah, with the breathing and everything. Yeah, <laughs> I'd, well, you could help me with that. <laughs> All right, <Hey>. so <laughs> you could help me when Revenge of the Sith comes along, and I need General Grievous. <laughs> easy now. So easy, mean. easy now. I just had a sore throat. Come on, we're all friends, we're all good. All right, so here, let's have a question. Uh, um, this is a fun question from Ewan Franklin, at Ewan Franklin on Twitter. He asks, if the world goes under... <laughs> look at that, look at what we've just been talking about. You've literally already answered it. What's your, <laughs> ideal, what's your ideal quiet place? To record the... the podcast. The, yeah, the yeah. post-apodalypse or... Yes, I pod, like it. Yeah. yeah. Podmageddon. I, I just spend more think, time thinking about this than I probably should. Do you know what I mean? Like it... 
See, this I think is, it's something about living in a city. It, it, it makes you worry. Isn't the city thing? At one point, someone said to me, "I thought it was a male female thing." I said, "No, it's not. I think it's it's possibly a geek non geek thing." That yes. I have a zombie apocalypse plan. I mean, you know that. I know but that. But you have a zombie apocalypse plan, don't you? In in your heart of hearts, a you, little bit. You do. Yeah. You do. Well, ever since I saw Twenty Eight Days Later, yeah, you know, just after moving to London, I've been a bit sort of like, I, I should, I should. Have What's your plan? plan? Tell me your plan. I want to know it. I, mean, I don't have a full, fully developed plan, but you know, I just think sometimes like about these would probably be the shoes to wear, wouldn't they, if you were on the run? Do you know what I mean? And, and okay, good. Start with the basics. Yeah. Well, I think so. And you know, you've got to kind of plot out, you know, how how you're going to get water. Like, should I, you know, when I was in Nepal doing that ridiculous race last year, you know, we had water filters all the time. Maybe I should just have a water filter because if I ever do a race like that again, it'd be handy. But also, if the apocalypse comes, it's, is this where your marathon running comes in? Is to run away from? I mean, I'm only things. just faster than a zombie, and I'm not talking when the 28 Days Later ones either. <laughs> like Romero-esque. Yeah, I'm only just faster than a Romero zombie, but it can't hurt, can it? I mean, being prepared and No, such. no, I, I, I um, agree with you. And I also think that being uh, Irish and, and not being super skinny because, you know, the, the British starved us, um, basically, Sorry. for 800 on, years. on behalf of my nation. Yeah, so those of us who survived, you know, not so skinny. Genuinely, uh, uh, one famine, uh, one famine a century for eight hundred years. Uh, that'll weed out the people who don't store fat. I know a fair few people who are the <laughs> counterpoint to your argument. So don't bring fact into my prejudice. Anyway, uh, you know, I, so I feel like I've got you know I've got some some reserves to rely on. So okay, that'll stand me a good Okay, time. okay. Chris, Chris, what, what's your what are some... you saying? Are you growing potatoes at the back of your house? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't have a garden. You must have a zombie apocalypse plan. Oh, but I'm... this is different. The zombie apocalypse plan is one thing. Yeah. All right. Which Having is a garden is another. Yes, yeah, correct. Go to Westfield, lock all the doors, <laughs> and have the time of your life. Westfield? Westfield. Yeah, Stratford or or um, the one up by the. Um, did the we not? BBC. Did we not? Did we not sort White of realise the kind of the, the downfall of being in a shopping centre for the apocalypse? Like I do feel like those kind of big glass doors are just not secure. Did you see Dawn of the Dead? And like, uh, if you're anything like me, you saw Dawn of the Dead and missed the point of that movie <laughs> yes. by by a mile. <laughs> What an incredible experience. Maybe we should try to get to the Isle of Wight. Or Ireland pretty well survived World War Z, so maybe we should try to get to Ireland. Costco. It's Costco. Oh, Costco, Costco has steel shuttered doors. It's a giant warehouse and it's full of long shelf life, you know, tinned goods and stuff. You know what? He's not wrong. And and there's all sorts of gardening supplies like chainsaws and stuff that you would need to deal with zombies. I, went I have to... a membership card, which would be important. It's very important. You can't, you can't take you, refuge. You couldn't, yeah, I mean, you can't take refuge one. unless you're a member. What are we? I mean, that's ridiculous. We're not animals. I, I went to Costco in the, in the US. Um, a couple of weeks ago, and it terrified me. I was just, I was overwhelmed. <laughs> really, with the choice. Yeah, it was just too much. I think if you went in there looking for a thing that you needed to get, that would be fine. But I was just tagging along with my friends, and it was just too much. No, 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 Helen, you never browse in Costco. That's where madness lies. Well, it, it does. That's what I discovered. So yeah. I, you know, I, I'd need a purpose. One of my favourite moments uh, in Step Brothers comes when Will Ferrell goes to Costco and emerges with a pack, a giant pack of toilet roll under his arm uh, that he's bought himself. The first thing he's ever bought himself, and he punches the air and tries. Uh, I feel like doing that every time I complete an adult <laughs> transaction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think... this, is a, this is an irrelevant question because none of us are surviving the apocalypse. I oh, am. God, no. I'm absolutely surviving it. Well, he is. In he all is. likelihood, I started it. He's so. n- he, he becomes Negan. He becomes Negan. <laughs> it's true. There's absolutely no doubt it about that true. whatsoever. Whereas I'm probably more, I don't know, I probably survived to season five. No, no, um, no. No, no, you're a season one or an out. I'm not a season one. Absolutely, I mean, you're lucky if you Eugene. get out of the pilot. And he's still knocking around, isn't he? <laughs> Who? Eugene. Uh, yeah, Eugene yeah. is. Uh, no, I, I think I, I think I could be uh, a, a Eugene, or maybe a, a Daryl if I really let myself go. Uh huh. 
Yeah, I think yeah. I okay. in your in your dreams, think, you're Daryl. I think I'm the cool I'm the cool head cat who jumps aboard the bike. Oh no, couldn't jump aboard the bike because we're not talking about a zombie apocalypse because you either weren't listening to the question or you have just willfully misread the question. The question's about a quiet place okay. situation. But we don't want right. to get into we don't want to get into spoilers for a quiet place because it's only been out for like a week and a half. But in a quiet place situation, I think the plan which I think and this isn't a spoiler, it's in the trailer, of going to a remote place in the country that is solid. In fact that's generally solid. Like that is a good plan for most apocalypses. Not most, all maybe most but most places are solid, aren't they? Chris, I was speaking of the plan's solidity, not the Earth's Yeah, although that's solidity. an excellent plan if tremors ever happens. Yes, get yourself onto rocks. Somewhere solid. Mm-hmm. No, I would, in a quiet place situation, you'd, you, I would find a nice hotel overlooking Niagara Falls because okay, yep, the ambient yep. noise would be so catastrophically high that I could do anything I wanted, really. That could work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be good. Be- have trouble sleeping. But I mean, you, you, you should be okay. Oh, you yeah. totally get used to it. It'd be yeah. fine. You'd yeah. yeah. be all right. I think I'd be fine. I think the studio. I would come to the studio. Come to the studio. <laughs> I mean, there is a lot of ambient noise in here, so it's no, but it's it's soundproofed. All That's right, true. It it's is soundproofed, so we could make lots of noise, and we could pod, and they wouldn't know. But the doors, could, yeah, the doors are noisy when you open them. So but we'd have to leave. we'd have to stay in here. That's yeah, we'd never so leave, Helen. Yeah, we'd have to we'd have we'd have to stock up with loads and loads of supplies, or just open the doors really really gingerly. You know, and then yeah. if the things that are in that movie, I believe they're called John Krasinski and Emily Blunt, if they then oh. appear, what? It was a joke. They're two of the most beautiful people on the planet. I am, of course, referring to the, the yeah. things. Yeah. The, the evil things. Sure. Yeah. What are they? Space yeah. bastards. Oh, that's, is that a spoiler? Space someone bastards. Seems, someone accused me of space bastards as a spoiler, but it's never stated in the film no. where they come from. So no. I think, I, you made I think, the assumption. Yeah. I think that it's fine. Yeah. I think space bastards. I think space it's bastards. totally fine. You guys would be here as well, and we would sit down and. You know, with our dwindling supplies, yeah, uh, we'd have to start eating each other. Well, not, I mean, not in a sex way. Well, but. well, Chris. <laughs> I mean, we've known each other a long time, but uh, no, no, it's not going to get that yeah. desperate. If I wore this Jerry Butler in Rain of Fire mask, well, no. Anyway, that's we're getting into weird ter- that I just happened to have on me <laughs> at the time. But uh, you know, we'd, we'd probably have to record one final pod apocalypse yeah, we would. or post a podalyptic uh, podcast and make it happen <laughs> you make, you'll end the pod thing front readers I'm off to eat my colleagues see you next time <laughs> whilst dressed in <laughs> Jerry Butler <laughs> yeah less as tasty oh god anyway there we go we answered that question to yes, the satisfaction of you and Franklin have, yes. I, I, whenever we record this podcast I have kind of flash forwards to my inevitable trial where episodes <laughs> of this podcast are called in evidence you know if only we'd seen it coming yeah before, we all saw it coming before we've, he became Negan we, yes. we've, we've told the authorities quite a lot of times but they, they just keep ignoring it if only we'd seen it coming is a title of another podcast no. I'm <laughs> If you want to have your question read out in the Empire Podcast, you can do so via a number of methods. Uh, we are, of course, on Twitter as at Empire Magazine. Use the hashtag Empire Podcast. You can also find us on Facebook where we're Empire Magazine. Of course we are. We're not going to be something else. That would be daft. And you can email us, podcast at empireonline.com. Okay, as you know, this week's podcast is sponsored by Sky Cinema, which gives you unlimited access to the best movies at home whenever and wherever you want in the best possible way. Uh, I have been... It is true. I will not deny it. A Sky Cinema subscriber for many years now. Many, many years. And I do love the choice that they offer. They have over a thousand quality movies on demand, ready for me to enjoy whenever I want. And one of the things they have on there, they do collections. And they right now have a superheroes collection 
which is really great. Loads and loads of fantastic films and loads of great Marvel Cinematic Universe films if you want to get caught up with the MCU ahead of Avengers Infinity War or if you just fancy watching some superhero stuff. And one of the movies on there that I really enjoy came out last year is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Now, I know that this movie has been a little maligned in some quarters, but I thought it was absolutely fantastic and a worthy sequel to the original Guardians of the Galaxy film. I think it's very, very fun as the Guardians sip around the galaxy and meet Peter Quill's dad, Ego, the living planet, played by Kurt Russell with a good old Kurt Russellian swagger. And this has got lots of very funny dialogue, lots of interesting character parts, and, of course, the soundtrack is absolutely rockin'. And rolling. So there you go, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, that is on Sky Cinema right now, as indeed is M. Night Shyamalan's Unbreakable, which isn't a comic book adaptation, but is one of the best superhero films out there. I think it is absolutely fantastic. This was uh, Shyamalan's follow-up to The Sixth Sense, and again starred Bruce Willis, this time not as a... De- no, there's a twist. Not as a goat, no, won't do that. But uh, as an ordinary guy who is led to believe by Samuel L. Jackson's Elijah Price that... He may be a superhero. He may be an invulnerable superhero. And it's very, very serious. It's very, very somber. Uh, It's very, very meticulously paced. But I love this film. I absolutely love this film. I love what it does with subverting superhero tropes before superhero tropes were really established on the big screen. This predates Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. It it came out the same year as Bryan Singer's X-Men. And it predates the explosion of the MCU but it is a wonderful film and of course if you've been keeping your ear to the ground or your eyes open recently you'll know that there is finally a sequel to this movie coming which is called Glass and it's a sequel as well to Split and it'll be coming out next year very very exciting stuff and you can see both of those of course on Sky Cinema Okay, and uh, we should also do a massive plug because this week's new issue of Empire is now on sale, all good and evil news agents, as you know, uh, and it is a cracking issue, as Chris Evans might say. There's a lot of great stuff inside the issue. <laughs> he might, actually, mightn't he? He might. Yeah, um, but no, it is, and it, not just inside the issue, outside the issue, with the issue, there what? is the Han Solo Cyclopedia. See, I don't know why they didn't just call this the Hansyclopedia. Someone has it. said the same on on Twitter, and and yeah, they've missed a trick. Anyway, I, I, I mentioned this many, many times, but you know, hey ho. What can we do? Um, but it is a, an encyclopedia of all things related to Han Solo in all of the now official Star Wars canon. Uh, we also have a poster which is very beautiful of the Millennium Falcon flying, which I really like, and and mm-hmm. of course that gorgeous cover and cover story all about Solo, a Star Wars story, which have you know, kind of made me interested in it and again, and it's just very upsetting the way this film keeps trying to pull me back. <laughs> I'm not happy about it. Every day is Christmas Eve, Helen. And, Every day, uh, no, and it is. This is the problem. It is. I was all like, no, I'm going to be like January 17th, but no. <laughs> it's good. It's a really good feature. Ian Freer spoke to pretty much everybody involved with the uh, the movie. I don't think he spoke to like the key grip which is a major you know, oversight. It is an oversight, and we should not. We should stop sleeping on key grips. What? Anyway. I don't know what's happening anymore, but uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so pick it up. So Solo is on the cover. Also inside, we have some cracking features. Yes. Did you know? At uh, did you know? I didn't know this. That Planet of the Apes and two thousand and one, A Space Odyssey, uh, came out on the same day. April the 3rd, 1968. And so we have two cracking features looking back at those movies. Um, 
nobody really knows anything about them anymore. They kind of faded a little bit into obscurity. Much, yeah. but, but if you don't know those movies, do check them out. Uh, I caught up with Thanos himself and Cable as well. It's the same guy. And what? Yeah, same guy. Josh Brolin. Oh, my God. Brolin, Brolin, Brolin. Wait, that explains that joke in the Deadpool trailer. I haven't seen the Deadpool trailer. What yeah, it's joke? quite good. He literally calls him Thanos. Oh, okay. It's good because I'm writing the feature tonight, so I should probably <laughs> know that. Um, so, yeah, and he was a great guy. We spoke for uh, a long time, shall we say. I think uh, he may still be on the phone. I hung up, to be honest. Uh, but, yes, that's a... That's a I, I'd hesitate to call my own work good, Helen, so I'm going to have to leave it up to you to call that a, a must-read, to is, call it a once-in-a-lifetime it's feature. It's a heartbreaking work of staggering... Fineness. It's extremely loud and incredibly close. That's what it is. It is one of those. It's the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society of Features. That is what it is, and you need to get on it right now. So there we go. Uh, also, also in the issue, we have first looks at likes of Deadpool 2, Incredibles 2, Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, we have a first look at Hereditary, which I hear already may be running the quiet place close as the scariest film of 2018. Uh, we talked to Diablo Cody and Jason Reitman. Uh, I don't know why I said it like that. Uh, Ruth Wilson is this month's Empire interview. And in the section that I laughingly oversee, because you know I'm having such a great time, that's why I laugh. Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, Review. There's loads of stuff. Ryan Johnson talks about Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Mark Hamill says au revoir, temporary au revoir to Luke Skywalker because obviously he's waiting to do Episode Nine. Sure. Uh, and we talk through the filmography of uh, Sir Ridley Scott, Sir Ridders himself, which of course will be an episode of the ranking, which will be a special podcast coming your way very very soon. All that and all the reviews for. In one magazine. Good lord. With We're the hand encyclopedia. We are really spoiling them. On sale now. All good and evil news agents. Pick it up. Okay, time now for this week's movie news. What has been happening, Hell's Bells? Um, there was some very exciting news this week for uh, two pieces of it, actually, from DC. Who that would was. have thought? Now, who, who knows if either of these films will happen? Sometimes films are announced and don't happen. But Steven Spielberg is apparently adding a film to his to-do list, and it is DC Comics' Blackhawk. Shut mm-hmm. the front door. I will not shut the front door. I will keep talking. Um, so this is uh, the international squadron from World War Two, very much in his wheelhouse, um, which fights Nazis and sort of supernatural beasties in the in the skies over Europe, mostly. And it is it was a huge seller in the 1940s, this comic. It's kind of vaguely been running since but not sort of necessarily always consistently and uh and yeah it it's an interesting turn for spielberg's take a superhero movie about yeah sort of world war ii heroes yeah which we haven't so seen so much of obviously captain america the first avenger but there were you know world war ii was a time when comics exploded and it does make sense that we'd see a bit more comics of exploded in world war 2 chris i, well, feel I like guess you're so being... because that would be a great tactic wouldn't it you'd you'd ship it behind exactly. enemy lines and then bang explodes in your face hitler anyway so uh yeah spielberg and uh yeah. and comics i am i am down with Blackhawk. I am down with whatever Spielberg wants to do, basically. He can do whatever he wants. He has a pass for life. Uh, yeah, that's really exciting. But I... I, I, sli- I mean, yeah. Slight, slightly sceptical about this happening. I would file yeah. this under uh-huh for the time being. Yeah, I think, I think to be honest, all Spielberg films go under uh-huh until he actually starts shooting. Yes, because he um, said Indy 5 is the next one. 
Then, well, hang on, that, but that was shooting next summer, right? So he's, he has time in between to do something. He, yeah. he, I mean, at the speed he works, he's got time in between to do about three things. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But, uh, but it's on his list, which is exciting in itself. Um, in other DC news, the Harley Quinn movie finally has a director, and that is Kathy Yan, which is, again, exciting and also again, puts DC well ahead of Marvel in terms of director representation and and diversity. I've said it before. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say it again. Owning a baseball bat does not make you a superhero. I'm just saying. Just saying. Okay, but comic book movie, which have, um, but it, no. she hasn't signed the deal yet. Um, she's, but it, it, she's in talks. She hasn't hasn't yet signed, but she will become potentially the second. Uh, well, no, wait, no, the third female director in the DC ranks, actually, isn't it? After Patty Jenkins and Ava DuVernay was in yeah. um, talks last week. So, you know, she's only made one other film, which was an indie film called Dead Pigs, um, mm-hmm. which got some real attention at Sundance. Margot Robbie has apparently been holding out for a female director for this film um, on the basis that it has a female lead and why not? So mm-hmm. it's good to see female directors now get the kind of opportunity that someone like Colin Trevorrow did and step straight up to blockbusters. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, Trevorrow made one film and then Safety Not Guaranteed and went straight to Jurassic World. There's a, a number of examples of that recently. Josh Trank, obviously, yep. going from Chronicle mm-hmm. to Fantastic Four. That went well. Yeah. And uh, David Lowry, for example, made a couple of indies and then stepped up with Pete Stryker. Not quite the same level, but certainly, you know, th- there are opportunities afforded indie male indie directors coming up through the ranks after just one movie. Um, who Jordan Foyt Roberts is another one. So, yes, absolutely. Gareth Edwards. Yeah. Gareth Edwards. Uh, so yeah, so we uh, we do wish Kathy Yan all the best with this movie. As you know, we're not fans of Suicide Squad here, but we did like Margot Robbie yeah. in that film a lot. So fingers crossed that this one will be good. I mean, we weren't fans of Batman v Superman: Colon Dawn of Justice, but we did like Wonder Woman, and that turned out pretty well. So fingers it crossed did. they do that again. Uh, since we've now had two DC stories, I feel it only right to counterbalance <laughs> with a Marvel story. Thank God. Um, yes. Oh, oh God. Got to be uncomfortable there. I really had to change my underpants. <laughs> um, very excited to learn that uh, that Carrie Coon has got a role in Infinity War. Yes. She is spectacular in The Leftovers. Anyone who hasn't seen it really should watch it. Her performance in that is great. But she plays Proxima Midnight in this. Uh, a character that I'd be honest, I had never heard of, but I got much, much more excited when I heard that she's equipped with a spear that possesses the power of a time-distorted sun and on top of that <laughs> is coated in an incredibly deadly toxin. Wait, so, don't, don't we all have one of those? I like, mean... I mean, I have two. They're just in my umbrella right? Sure. This is interesting because uh, Prox Midnight, uh, if anyone read my Avengers Infinity War cover feature in the most recent issue of Empire, the one that's just gone off sale... Um, I was on set in Edinburgh, Scotland, and um, Proxima Midnight was on set, but I don't think it was Carrie Coon. Really? I think it was just mocap performer. But I may be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure if Carrie Coon had been on I'm, set, I would have noticed. I'm right saying so Proxima Midnight is basically Latin for quarter to 12. <laughs> just... I'll be honest, James, Midnight is not Latin. <laughs> Shut up, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. That made me laugh. Good times. Yes, good times. All right, should we talk about some grown-up films instead of all this kids' nonsense that we've been banging on about? Sure, there was a trailer for the dinosaur film. (laughs) (laughs) And a trailer for the Deadpool film. Yes, that's right. uh, And a trailer for Revenge. Jurassic World The Lost Park has a big big trailer, which is very exciting. Um, And it had dinosaurs in it, including a big spiny raptor in a boy's bedroom and a volcano and things exploding and stuff. Wow. So, yeah, dino action. Looks good. It's out in um, a few days. Or a few weeks. Not a few days, isn't it? It's out in a few weeks. It is out in a few weeks. Um, the, the first poster for Halloween 
the Halloween sequel, it's not a reboot, it's a sequel, uh, has just debuted. I don't know if you guys have seen this. And it's Michael Myers' face uh, in, in close-up. And what's interesting is that it's the inside-out William Shatner mask, the very, very famous one. But it has lines on his face and it is aged and scarred somehow, which is Ooh. Like a modern-day William Shatner mask. <laughs> Well, no, Chat has far fewer lines on his face than, than Wouldn't this. it be amazing if in this film he takes off the mask and it is, in fact, Bill Shatner? I don't think Bill Shatner could get around the way that Michael Myers does somehow. Really? Also, the Shat is very verbose. He'd be like, I'm going to kill you now, and all that sort of stuff. He'd be, you know, he'd be, <laughs> yeah, he, he wouldn't be silent, no, would he? No, you're right. That was a terrible idea. He had eyes, the blackest eyes, like a doll's eyes. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill us. I'm going to kill them. <laughs> and that was with the worst William Shatner impression. Yeah, really, terrible. I, I don't do William Shatner impressions. I don't do anyway. Anyway, that has stopped me before. So why, why stop now? Um, one last thing is the uh, first trailer and poster this week came out for the Equalizer Two. Now this is intriguing because this is Denzel Washington's first sequel. Wow. He's returning as Robert McCall in this sequel to The Equalizer, which came out a few years ago, mm. and I really enjoyed. Yeah, you uh, really did. I yes, really did enjoy it. And uh, I, I, and they, they heard my cries, and they have answered it with the sequel. But the poster has called it the EQ2. The EQ2. That that's like the logo. That's a cruise liner. It oh, does, no. doesn't it? No, that's no, no, no. Yeah. And it's just, it's very, very wrong. Because mm-hmm. nobody calls it, hey, can I have uh, two, t- uh, you know, you go to the cinema, you go, can I have two tickets, please, for the EQ? No, it's the Equalizer. Yeah. So, yeah. Otherwise known as the film that wasn't as good as John Wick. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah I now see the, the error of my ways. But I still do enjoy the Equalizer. <laughs> it's, it's good and it's really, really brutal. And I like that sort of stuff. And for my money, James, it's the best Equalizer this side of... Mo Salah scoring against Manchester City Why would at the Etihad it's, it's the other week I, I should have seen that coming I gave him an open goal oh, oh. <laughs> hey I made a football reference you did make a football reference mark the date and time please yeah Denny Crane oh, okay so <laughs> uh, let's move on now to a new section on this podcast uh, we're still going to be talking about news but not movie news we're going to be talking about TV news and this is brought to you in association with Pilot TV Pilot TV the magazine for all your cinematic television needs. That's right. Have you seen MasterChef, mate? That's really cinematic. The season finale was extraordinary. It was. Actually, John Turrell started crying, and I think so many people. Anyway, uh, this week I was in Rome at the See What's Next event, which is something that Netflix holds every year, and there they basically parade their wares and they bring people in. It's essentially Comic-Con, hmm. but for, for one day and crammed into one building. And instead of Batman, it's Ted Sarandos. <laughs> his, way, his utility belt is way more powerful than, than Bruce Wayne's. And uh, there was some really, really intriguing stuff. I saw I saw a first glimpse at the first episode of the second season of Luke Cage, Ooh. Uh, which is directed by Lucy Liu, of all Ooh. people. And she was there to unveil it. And it involved uh, Luke Cage, for it is he, uh, threatening Alfred Woodard's character, who is... Mariah... Mariah we love Mariah we love mm. Mariah and he was threatening her and uh, that was that was well good I mean we got a first look at Maniac didn't we which is the Emma Stone Jonah yes. Hill 
Harry Fukunaga thing. Ooh, yes, super, indeed. Super bad reunion. Yeah, no, it's an interesting one. It feels to me, and I haven't seen any footage apart from the picture. It feels like it has a bit of Legion's DNA in it. Oh, you know, okay. it's got sort of a slight sort of mental illness bent to it. It looks like it's got a slightly crazy vibe going on. Um, yeah, I'm 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 very excited to see this one, especially because it's got Justin through in it being a bit crazy, uh, and I'm always a big fan of that. Well, who doesn't love that? Exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I was interested to see that uh, str- some Stranger Th- Things three casting was announced. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Carrie Elwes, who gets a lifelong pass the for Dread being Pirate the Dread Pirate Roberts in the Princess Bride, <laughs> um, is playing Mayor Klein. Mm-hmm. Presumably the mayor of the town, mm-hmm. Hawkins, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jake Boosie is joining up. He's obviously from Starship Troopers, from, <laughs> from the Gary Boosie. From Gary Boosie. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be out here. He's his own man, James. He's his own man. Um, he emerged fully but, formed. <laughs> but I, if you listen to this, I'd love you to go to our website, right? And we've got a picture of the two of them side by side. And just as I was glancing across the website when I first saw this, if you if you look at those pictures very fast and your your mind sort of pushes them into one it just looks like Ed Sheeran and I just well, can't get past that if you merge them together yeah if you merge them together those two pictures you get Ed Sheeran I'm kind of seeing that it's I, I don't know I just like glanced at really? it and I'm like oh what's, what's Ed Sheeran up to and it was not him at all I bypassed this week's most terrifying news which is that Ed Sheeran <laughs> is uh, reportedly going to be involved with this Danny Boyle Richie Curtis Beatles yeah, let's comedy just... that's, that's happening right now and every, every part of that sentence is good except for the Ed Sheeran part and I, I can't quite get my head around it I don't just... know how Ed Sheeran and the Beatles compute it just it's best not to think about it yeah. and pretend it just isn't happening the second season of Glow is coming on the 29th of June yep. and that's Hooray! exciting mm-hmm. um, what else have we got um, well Julian Fellows uh, is uh, going to create a new show with Netflix I saw this <gasps> will it be about, uh, about posh people <laughs> well, kind of, but it's about the invention of uh, modern association football, or was it, soccer. Was it invented by posh people? It was invented by a combination of posh people and the, and the working classes. Is this, essentially, if Lord Grantham took everyone out onto the grounds of Downton Abbey for a kickabout, mm-hmm. that's this show? Yes, if, if Lord Grantham was going, Mo Salah, Mo Salah. Running down the way. I mean, again, we've left him a, a, an opening. To I, make don't really I don't really understand. You, you leave, you leave Musala an opening. You get punished. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask the question. Yes. Have um, you made a decision about the Infinity War screening? I have. Are you going to watch the film or watch the match? I'm going to watch the film. Good man. <gasps> Your journey even, to the dark side is complete. Even as I say that. I'm doing a flip-flop. But the reason I'm doing it, I'm doing it for love. Because my wife can not make the opening night of Avengers Infinity War, so I'm going to go see it with her. I'm going to take it to the screening on Tuesday. And I'm going to try... Because we're going to be doing a debrief afterwards, presumably, right? We're going yes. to be, we're going to, yeah. So I'm going to try my best to avoid the score. I'm going to set my Sky Q box. I'm going to do all that sort of stuff. I'm going to try and do the, the full... Don't you fucking I do this. I see Don't you fucking do this. Because you did this. Oh, James, you James. wouldn't. Well, you won't because you'd be in the screen anyway. And I'm going to try my best to do that whole likely lads thing where I avoid the score and I get back and I try and watch the game as as, as fresh as I possibly can and unspoiled as I possibly can. Uh, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch the uh, Avengers film and then catch up with... Uh, the football. Let's get back to TV very, very quickly as well. We have one very, very exciting show coming up in the not too distant future. Jimbo, tell us about it. We have Westworld season two. <gasps> 
which kicks off next week. Ah. And for all of you who can't remember what happened in Westworld Season 1, we've put up a feature on the Empire website oh to remind God. you Look what happened that. in Westworld Season 1. Uh, no, this is very exciting. Uh, I, I, it feels like we've been waiting forever for this to come back. Uh, but yes, this returns to HBO and, indeed, Sky Atlantic next week, um, where we will find out what happens to the great host uprising. We will be introduced to Shogun World, for that Whoa. is what the Samurai Place is called, and possibly other worlds beyond. Whoa, cool. Yeah, I know. It's 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 pretty awesome. So you're very excited about that one. Uh, there are some shows available for review yet, but I'm not going to be dropping any spoilers because <laughs> I don't believe in ruining things for people. Yeah. Um, but suffice it to say... Very exciting. Suffice it to say, indeed. Um, and what we, have, we, have, a, we have a big feature on, on Westworld in the issue of Pilot TV. So there we go. I definitely Pi- recommend you pick that up and read that. Pilot TV, like the new issue of Empire, uh, is out today, is on sale is right on sale now, now in all good and evil news agents. If, and if you can't find it in news agents, you can find Pilot TV on... Uh, at pilottvmag.com. Okay. Free postage. What, what are we watching at the moment? What, what shows are tickling our fancy real quick? Bosch. I'm all about the Bosch. I uh, no, no, love Bosch. Lo- love a bit of Titus Welliver. Yeah, and uh, his I'm face half- is his warrant. It is indeed, or his passport, depending on what film I'm referencing at any <laughs> given time. Um, yeah, I'm halfway through season two. I'm really, really enjoying it. So, yeah. two or three? Uh, sorry, t- season four. In fact, it's not even four. three. Yeah, I'm, I'm halfway through season four and very much enjoying it. Helen, uh, to be honest, I'm still working my way through Jessica Jones because I've been away and then busy. So, mm. I'm fair enough. Going through that at the moment. Fair enough. Uh, those shows, by the way, those Netflix Marvel shows are now available for download. They weren't previously, and they now are. That's so if big you're, news. If you're traveling and you fancy digging into the hole of Iron Fist or Luke Cage mm. or Jessica Jones or any of that stuff, then you can do so. Lost in Space also dropped last weekend. Mm-hmm. Very much worth seeing. We gave that four stars. I've only seen the first episode thus far. But it looks intriguing. Our very own Ian Nathan reviewed it and thought it was charming, delightful, and gave good robot. <laughs> I believe he uh, he described it as cares with Cylons, which I think, I mean, for that alone, I want to say it. And uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to two shows I'm enjoying at the moment, Billions, which is great. Show you haven't got into, Jimbo. No, I've been meaning to watch it. I've never started it. I think someone very early on, clearly an idiot, told me it wasn't very good, so I never I never started watching it. It's fantastic. It's got the best dialogue on TV, brackets, of the shows that I watch. And of the shows that Aaron Sorkin didn't write. Well, when was the last uh, Aaron Sorkin written, written TV show? Well, it was a newsroom. It was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. And did that have the best dialogue oh, on TV? Oh, it did. It was so good. Did it? Yes. Did it have the best dialogue was, on TV? It was glorious. I don't think it did. You, you, well, I you think were, you were blinded by your Sorkin love. <laughs> it's a Sorkin spot. It is. Uh, and also, I love Silicon Valley, which is really getting a new lease of life as it hits season five because TJ Miller left the show mm. as of season four. And uh, it's it created a new dynamic amongst the team. That's another show you haven't watched, is it? That's Again, it's one I started but never perceived. But you yeah. know how I feel about comedy. Yes, true. I, I don't. I don't do that sort of thing. I'm very like much. Ex- I'm very excited to see the Expanse return. It's in the US at the moment. I want that to come back to the UK. Okay. Uh, very much enjoy that on Sci-Fi. Fantastic. So many shows. So, little so time. many shows. So little time. So there you go. That's a TV news section brought to you by Pilot TV. Do go pick it up right now. All good and evil news agents. It is genuinely, and I'm saying this, and it's lodged in my throat, but it's gen- <laughs> it's worth your. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's it's well worth it. It's good. It's it's genuinely, it is good. It's genuinely good. The bits you wrote are obviously terrible. Well, yeah, obviously. Time now for this week's guest. He is a fantastic British actor making his return to the pod after a few years away. Uh, he's a wonderful guy. Uh, a fellow Red. It's always good, isn't it, Jimbo? When you find someone who supports... Will, will he be coming club. to the Infinity War screening? Uh, no, he'll probably be going to the match. I'll see if I can yeah. get him to text you the score. Yeah, yeah, please do. Which you once did to me. 
I did. That is yeah. true. What what was it for? What was the thing? It was in 2014, and I was hosting a quiz, <laughs> and I was trying to avoid. I, I it'd been booked in for months, so I couldn't get out of it, and uh, nor did I want to, obviously, because I'm professional in that way. And it was the game when we were playing Chelsea, and we were going for the title, and you being an idiot and the worst person I've ever met texted me the score while I was doing the quiz and uh, I got a little bit upset and I I walked around the O2 which is where it was it was part of Sundance London and I walked around the O2 in a funk for about a a solid hour I was not happy it's it's an odd one because I've never ever texted you about football before or since yeah I think you've learned your lesson well yeah (laughs) well that's true it was terrifying but yeah I don't know why I don't know why that became a thing I think maybe I was texting to demonstrate that I knew something that had happened in the world of football. It was supposed to be a bonding thing between me and you to make us closer. Well, by destroying me emotionally. Basically, yeah. In a weird way, obviously I would have found out the score sooner or later and it would have destroyed me anyway. But yeah, the fact it came from one of my best friends really, really helped. (laughs) Especially since you didn't know what you were doing. You just pulled the pin out of the hand grenade just threw it and didn't give a shit what you did. Anyway... Oh, good times. David Morrissey. Yeah. He's a lot of fun. He was a governor in The Walking Dead. And can be seen. Most recently, he was seen in Britannia as well. And now he's back on our on our screens in The City and The City, uh, which is on BBC. And uh, he popped into the pod booth to have a good old natter with me. It hasn't happened yet, so I hope it's, it's a lot of fun. So I, I'm sure I had a lot of fun doing this. Enjoy. I am delighted to welcome to the Empire Podcast... The one and only David Morrissey. Hello. How are you, sir? I'm very well. It's a beautiful day. I'm great. It is yeah. a lovely day. Yeah, yeah. Now, Chris sends his regards. He's very sorry uh, he couldn't be here. Right. Uh, and I know there's lots of things he wanted to discuss with you. Probably mostly about Liverpool Football Club, I should imagine. Yes, indeed. I believe that did come out. Now, you may be able to help me and indeed him uh, with a football-related conundrum. Oh, okay. okay. So now, I know nothing about football, <laughs> but my understanding is there is a thing on Tuesday, an important thing. Massive, yeah, massive. So we are in the semi-finals of the Champions League uh, and we're playing Roma. And what was what's interesting for me about it, and this is how superstitious I am, I've just been doing Julius Caesar in uh, at the Bridge Theatre here in London. And it's a modern production. You know, it's obviously set in Rome, but it's all very modern. Yeah. So I had this great idea ages and ages ago, when, before we even started rehearsals, that my character, who starts in a bit of a tracksuit, that he should wear an AC Roma tracksuit. So I wrote off to the <laughs> store, and I got it, and I got the top, and on the back I had stenciled Mark Antony, which was my character's name, obviously. And once we drew Roma in the semi-final, I had four shows to do. And I couldn't wear it. I couldn't wear, I couldn't wear the top. And the stage management kept saying to me, where's the, where's the top? Why aren't you wearing the top anymore? And I went, I just can't wear it. And they didn't know what I was talking about. And there was one other guy in the production who was a Liverpool fan. And he, he was the only other person who got it. And was like, no, he can't wear the top. He can't wear the top. So that was it. Uh, so I, uh, I'm deeply worried about it. It's about, I'm a very pessimistic football fan. <laughs> so, you know, we, we had Manchester City in the last round and I was a little bit worried about that. But we got through them. So fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they lose, it's basically your fault. I mean, that's what we've established. It's always my fault. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, if we win, I take all the glory. And if we lose, <laughs> I take all the blame. So, you know, that's, that's the type of football fan I am. Well, there's a bigger conundrum for Chris. So, obviously, he lives and dies for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. But he also lives and dies 
for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And there's a clash, is there? There's a clash. I don't, how, how into the MCU are you? Are you up to date? Have you seen all 18 movies? I haven't seen all 18 movies. I saw Black Panther, which I just yep. thought was great. It's fantastic. I really, and uh, my friend and I was in it, and, and Daniel I know as well. So it was great, and uh, I went with my little boy, and I was really blown away by it. Well, they've essentially been building up to Infinity War. Yes. And there is one press screening of Infinity War. <laughs> and is that next Wednesday or Tuesday? It's on Tuesday night. Tuesday. So Chris has got this Sophie's Choice-esque scenario where it's, it's either watch go. the game no. or see the film. He's got to see the game. I mean, this is, you know, <laughs> there's your life and there's your job. I know he, I know it's a bit crossover for him. His job is something he loves. But, you know, there's only one place he's got to do. He's got to, he's got to go there. Seeing a football, it's very interesting football or any sport. Seeing it live is this really unbelievable feeling. Mm. It's it's everything that you know that sort of you're on edge, you're nail biting, anything could happen. It's that's why it has this hold over us, uh, sport. You know, watching it later on recorded, even if you don't know the result. <laughs> It just isn't the same, and you've got to watch it live. So well, it's going to be, you know, he has no choice of mine. Well, he doesn't even have a ticket. That's the thing. He would literally be on ticket. the telly. You can watch it on your phone or whatever, <laughs> you know, as long as you're watching it live, watching it, you know, in a pub, yeah. which is, I'm sure, his, his preferred place anyway. So it's all about that, really. Well, he's learned He's learned his peril, because as I say, I don't know anything about football, and when Liverpool played Chelsea in something important. I don't know what it was. <laughs> so they played Chelsea. Chelsea won, and it was a bad thing. I don't know why, but yeah, it was a bad it's thing. It's always a bad thing. Yeah. And I texted him the score, and he'd been doing a Q and A. No, yeah. you did not. I know. I didn't know. Like that I, is schoolboy error. Apparently, he'd been saving it. He didn't there want to know anything about it. This whole episodes it. of the Likely Lads built around <laughs> this scenario. It's terrible. Yeah, I'm just some bumbling twat I, who I just wanders into. I can now see that you are not a fan of football. No, that's the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I'm, I'm terrible. He put a real strain on our friendship I've got to be honest well, with you well you'd be out on your ear as far as I was concerned <laughs> so football aside yeah The City in the City which uh-huh. is showing on BBC 2 I believe episode 3 is tonight yeah, at 9 right. o'clock yeah, yeah, very yeah, exciting yeah. now I've seen episode 1 of this mm-hmm. and to sum it up for people mm-hmm. so you play Inspector Borloo yeah and you are investigating the murder of a young woman uh-huh. who dies on the streets of the city of Bejel yeah and yet the city of Bejel overlaps the city of Ukoma yeah which is in exactly the same place, but separate. But the people from Bejel aren't allowed to talk to the people from Ukoma, and more than that, they're not allowed to see them or hear them. Yeah. Or hear them. Yeah. Does that just about cover it? It does. I mean, that's a very good appraisal. I, I think, you know, it's based on a fantastic book by China Mievel, who, you know, he's... The, it's odd terminology. He's not a sci-fi writer. He's a writer of weird fiction. Yeah. And the city in the city is sort of set now. It's not, you know, there's no spaceships or anything like that. It's not futuristic in any way. And it is about two cities that share the same geographic space. Mm. But unlike somewhere like Berlin, you know, that was separated very clearly by a wall, this is more separated by a mesh of places. So, Mm. you know, if I walked out of this building, I wouldn't be able to turn left because that would be a different city, but I could turn right. Uh, I couldn't cross the road, potentially, because that would be a different city. And you are trained over years, and, and, you know, it's in your history, that you don't see or hear or interact in any way with the other city. You can go there, like you can go to any other country, but there are places you would have to sort of immerse yourself in in courses you would have to take in order to go to the other city. And, of course, when you're in the other city, you can't see your city. So there's all that. So it it sounds... 
uh, an odd concept to get your head around. But actually, I don't think it is. I don't think there's there needs to be a big leap in our imagination to think about walking through a city here in London or wherever you are and not seeing a whole other populace. You know, yeah. there are people in our city that you walk past every day and you don't see them. You, they're not part of your life, so you don't, you know, there are certain areas you don't go into. There are certain places, you know, there's certain noises and distress, you know, uh, cries or whatever that we don't hear. The idea, and also the idea, I think, that China is playing with that. If you do see, you know, sometimes, obviously, in the city, in the city, people do take surreptitious looks at the other city. And I think for us in our everyday life, sometimes we see things which we have trained ourselves not to look at because they shame us mm. and we feel guilty about it. And in order to keep our equilibrium in a good place, we ignore them. Mm. And that is part of the, the world he's written about. And, uh, and he's put a very classic uh, gumshoe cop-like story in there. Of, uh, you know, I come across a, a, um, on a case, I see, uh, you know, a dead body of a girl, I have to investigate it, but it's also quite personal. And, uh, and inside there is, is almost like a Raymond Chandler-esque sort of relationship with the audience. You know, I am a, a flawed cop, I have a voiceover. So there's, there's lots of tropes in there that you think, oh, I'm familiar with that. Even if you're not familiar with the, the world and the rules of the world, you're certainly familiar with the the idea of the story of the cop drama. Mm. Now that I I noticed that that sort of that familiarity is so important because the concept is so out there yeah. that you need like a handle to to grab onto you and did. I immediately felt like I knew who Borlu was yeah. like I'd met him before. I mean and they're playing with the cliche of that sometimes. I mean you know to, they push the cliche of of the the lone wolf detective. But um I think that is, it is something. It's like a lifebelt in the sea of this sort of crazy world to grab onto yeah. where you know where you are then, you know. You mentioned uh, the Berlin War, but it felt very much, I can't remember when he wrote this book, but it felt very inspired by sort of post-war Germany. Yes, and it's sort of, uh, this, so there's two cities. So my city, which is Bejel, is uh, it's very analogue. It's dirty. It's, uh, it's multiracial, multicultural. It feels like a 70s sort of Soviet-era slum. Yeah, and it has, uh, but it also has an excitement to it. It's something that uh, it's very at street level. Uh, you know, it's, there's market stores everywhere. There's crap everywhere. There's... But And there's tensions certainly inside that. There are factions who are calling for unification. There are factions who are a bit louder in our story, uh, shouting for isolation. Mm. So, you know, that again is a recognizable world we live in. But when uh, Bolu goes over to the other city, which is Olkoma, in order to, because he feels that this girl, even though he's found her in Bejo, she's been murdered in Olkoma, so he has to go over. That world is very, uh, it's very Swiss, it's very clean. Lots of chrome, lots of glass. It's very militarized. Uh, there are no uh, factions there as far as the military are concerned or the police are concerned. They don't exist. We don't have unificationists. We don't have drug addicts. Mm -hmm. We don't have, the, you know, any subversives of any nature over there. They're, they, they're told. Uh, and obviously, once you scratch the surface, that isn't true. But it's a very different world. It's a very... It's a different colour, you know. Mm. I mean, suddenly yes. you see red, and there's sort of it's a much more clearer, uh, clearer world. Whereas Bejel is is muted. It's sort of 
a bit more brown, I guess. That was one of the most striking things for me, because when you're reading a book with a sort of limitless CGI budget of your imagination, you know, yeah. it's really easy to convey these massive concepts, but... Yeah. When you're doing it on television, it's a very different thing. I thought it was fascinating, the use of sort of colour and light and focus to show the two different I mean, Tom Shankland, who's our director, who's brilliant. And I I, I knew his work. I'd never worked with him before. But he's he's a real visionary. And he, not only with myself as the actor, but with all the crew, with the design team, both, you know, costume design, but also our set design, he really pushed us to all bring our A-game to it. And... You know, it's we don't have the greatest budget in the world, so we had to stretch it. But the design team, I was flabbergasted by. Mm. It was so wonderful. We filmed it uh, in Liverpool and Manchester, and it wasn't the split that one city was the other, but, you know, both cities uh, are brilliant to film in. I've filmed up there many times. As a location, you know, the Northwest has, has really flourished, and there was four or five uh, things happening whilst I were up there. You know, the Peaky, Peaky Blinders films all mm. there and stuff like that. And just things like closing ro- roads off, having places for our, you know, vans to park and our, our dressing rooms and stuff like that. It works very easily up there, both in Liverpool and Manchester. So it's a happy place to work. Mm. And the architecture just fitted for us. You know, they are two big uh, industrial cities born out of the Industrial Revolution. Those big Gothic Victorian buildings are there aplenty. But there's two modern cities growing up in there as well, side by side. Uh, And we were able to use that architecture very well in, in, in the job. I mean, is is it a gift for you being able to, to shoot in Liverpool? I mean, going back to your home city, being able uh, well, to work Well, it is. I mean, it's a gift. Oh, well, you know, I love working wherever, but I think, you know, for me, it does, being on a film set sort of does give me access to buildings and places that as a kid I didn't have any access to. <laughs> so, for instance, in, in, uh, in the city, in the city there's one location which is inside the Mersey Tunnel. And it's a massive sequence. It's a really big, uh, big scene and closes the end of episode two. And it's, for me, you know, I was standing there, I was thinking, gosh, the amount of times I used to drive through here <laughs> going on holiday to Wales or, you know, day trips or whatever. And here I am now standing in the middle of a massive film unit under, under the River Mersey and the Mersey Tunnel. It was fantastic, you know. And likewise, there's a place in Liverpool called Water Street, and we used that. That was our our main location. And that's full of those old buildings that grew out of Liverpool being one of the major, you know, shipping centres of the world, you know. And uh, and you've got all the, the New Zealand building, the India building, you know. It was really was the heart of the Commonwealth in mm-hmm. a way. And, uh, and I had access to those buildings. And they are fantastic places. You know, they're, they're really... And getting access to them is really you know, open people are there and they want you to come in and Liverpool University also we had it was a great location for us. A place I'd never gone inside, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so that was here I am, Mum, I'm finally got inside Liverpool Uni. But um so there's there's that all that was very very much for me, it was a real buzz. You can twist someone's arm and say, you know what, we really need to shoot something in the stadium. That's yeah, where yeah, we need that's to That's right, yeah. Can I, can I get in the penalty area? You know? <laughs> but actually, the, the other thing about the stadium in Anfield, the great thing is, they, they, obviously you can go and you can do these Anfield tours, the yeah. stadium tours, and you get shown around, and you wear this headset, and 
it's my voice that you hear <laughs> really? if you go to the stadium tour of Anfield. So it's me walking around, you know, you're walking around and you're listening to me going, here we are in the famous boot room. You know, this is where Bill Shankly, you know, so it's all that. So I was very proud of doing that. Yeah. That's very cool. <laughs> Speaking of football stuff, actually, one image in the show that really struck me was there's a bit where there's a sort of concourse mm-hmm. and on one side walking one way are the Bejel people on the other side are the Old Coma people. And I thought, this reminds me of dare I say, Arsenal, mm-hmm. Tube Station, yeah. where they separate the home... Well, most places, I oh, think they... most football grounds will separate the supporters. Yeah. And you can see the colours going. However, there is interaction, you know. Uh, with us, it's like the separation and there is no interaction. So people through... Because there's this third police force. There's obviously the police force I work for. There's the police force in Alcoma. But there's this secret police force called Breach. Mm. And the 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 way that breach operates is they could be anybody. They could be your wife, they could be your father, they could be your sister, whatever. So you never know they could be your best friend. So that idea of getting inside your head and breeding this paranoia and the lack of free speech that that brings and, yeah. and the sort of fear that people have to live under, that I think is also very prescient. And breach mean, and the threat of breach means that people slightly then start policing themselves. And not just policing themselves, but policing their neighbours and everybody else. So that's, and you can see that in regimes across the world. Mm -hmm. You can see it very subtly in our own society about how that is happening. You know, you can talk about free speech and living in a place of free speech, but well beside anybody who says something you don't believe in on Twitter and vitriol is just unbelievable. So, you know, it's all... Uh, bubbling under there. And I think what China's done is really put a microscope on that. And like in any great, you know, Orwellian sort of work, he's pushed those things to Mm. the nth degree. Well, also, just finishing up, I think it was last week, The Walking Dead, which has just finished its other one, is the eighth season. I mean, how much of an impact did playing the big bad on what was TV's biggest show for you? Well, it was wonderful. I mean, I joined the show, I knew the show. It wasn't the world's biggest show then, you know, it was was very popular. But I joined it in its third season. Uh, And, yeah, I suddenly realised, as we were doing it, that this was becoming a very, very... A massive show around the world uh, and has continued to do so. And I did two seasons of it. I popped back in again in the, uh, I think, fifth season. But uh, the two, season three and four were my big seasons. Mm-hmm. And it's a wonderful show. And the, the lead actor is Andrew Lincoln, who's one of my best mates. He's a wonderful man. He's a great sort of leader, really. You know, he's somebody who, he takes his work so seriously I mean you can have a laugh with Andrew certainly but he's someone who is really leads from the front you know he's the first man on set he's the last man to leave he always knows his lines he's totally committed to the project but he also is polite to everybody there's no sort of arsing around with him there's no sort of you know um, ego in that way and so that sets the bar for everybody you know Mm. and that's why I loved about it it's a brilliantly run show. And I love the fans, you know, I love the interaction with the fans. I think they're very, you know, they're very vocal. It's a bit like another show I did, which was Doctor Who, you know, they're, yeah. they're very vocal fans. They they take ownership of the show, but they're very uh, considered, you know, and that's what I like about it. And when I meet the fans, I always have a really 
amazing time of like dissecting the show of character analysis you know that whole thing of the complexities that what the show means and what, what how it works uh, from character to character so it's it's been amazing for me what do you get most recognized for is it walking dead or doctor it depends or? where i am really i mean you know i get uh, i was in italy not so long ago and the walking dead was really you know people just kept stopping me in the street because of that but recently, you know, I've just been doing Julius Caesar here in London <laughs> and, you know, in Hampstead I get stuff for that a lot. You yeah. know, people stop me because they've been watching this come to the theatre. In Liverpool, you know, very much my first job was a job called One Summer and people still recognise me for that when I'm at home. So that's interesting. But it's wherever you are really, you know, it's different people pick up on different things, different mm. age groups, you know, as well, you know. So... Yeah, I can't say which is the one thing I'm I'm, I'm recognised for. And you're you're not a man who goes into a role half cocked. Like you are a man who does his research. You're not mm-hmm. so, like some idiot journalist who turns up not knowing what a football <laughs> match is. You know, you put work into this stuff. Yeah. I mean, how is that? Is that part of the fun for you? Is it the homework you have to do before you get to enjoy the role, or is it? It's, I think it's an inner geek, really. You know, I left school quite young. I was I went to a secondary modern. I didn't really get on with my. Uh, academic education, yeah. it's fair to say. And so what I did like is the research that uh, my work, which I loved, took me into. So I like to do a lot of reading around subjects. I like to sort of find out about the world these people would have lived in of its period. You know, it's interesting. I'm just about to go into Britannia, the second season yeah. of Britannia. So around that was a lot of work. So I spent, you know, the last couple of years I've spent a lot of time in ancient Rome. <laughs> I did Britannia, then uh, then I did uh, Julius Caesar, and I'm about to do Britannia again. And you've done Centurion, of course, as well. Centurion. So all those things, you, you're doing a lot of reading like that. And I really enjoy it, you mm. know. And some of it filters down into me and then I'm able to bring characters out of that and I use some of that. But it's more about just exercising my inner geek. You know, I've worked with actors who are phenomenal and they don't do that type of research. Mm. They just, not that they just learn it and they walk in, but they they concentrate on different aspects than that. But I like to do the research. I also like to use music a lot. And I use, sometimes I will use uh, pictures and paintings and stuff. Sort of a mood boardy thing to get me into stuff. And that's very important. What was your City in the City soundtrack? So, City in the City soundtrack, actually you can find it. It's on, the, <laughs> it's uh, the big issue put it out. But it's, um, so there was a lot of Stockhausen there. Yeah. I used a lot of that, a lot of Brian Eno, sort of, you know, uh, airport music. I used quite a bit. There was a bit of craft work in there. <laughs> there. You know, there's a guy called Barry Adamson who I used a bit of his stuff. So, you know, it was sort of quite odd uh, instrumental music, a yeah. little bit of Philip Glass and stuff like that. Yeah. So it was that tonally stuff. The Stockhausen stuff is just weird <laughs> and really clashing and not... Um, not that relaxing piece of music that you want to listen to. It was quite uh, harsh, really. And and I like that about the city and the city. Yeah. You know, it was sort of uh, grating and, 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 and challenging, and I liked that about it a lot. And uh, I listened to a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, speaking of the, the research stuff you've done, I was fascinated to read when you talked about uh, doing research for The Deal. Mm. about trying to get inside the head of Gordon Brown, who is, certainly to my mind, an almost impenetrable figure. Right. Like, like, I knew 
I knew nothing about him other mm. than that very sort of stony exterior mm. he put out there. And was it you were saying that people suddenly MPs didn't want to talk about him? No, well, no. What happened was that uh, they did want to talk about him. I mean, he was, um, but I think you know he was somebody. What was really strange for me, like you, I knew him from my TV screen. Yeah. And but when I met people, they say, "Oh, God, he's so funny." <laughs> And I was like, what? Gordon Brown? He doesn't come funny. across as a laugh riot, does he? It's just weird. Yeah. And, you know, and then you'd hear that again and again from people. And then you'd hear about his anger. Yeah. And you'd hear about, you know, and then you'd find out things like that, you know, his eyesight was really, really poor. And he'd been, he'd been a, a great sportsman as a mm. young man. He played a lot of tennis, a lot of rugby. And then he'd also been, he was the youngest post-war uh, intake graduate into Edinburgh University. So he went to Edinburgh when he was 16. Wow. And and they knew he was coming. They knew he was a phenomenon. You know, the, the, the word had gone out about this guy. And just before he got to Edinburgh, where he was going to arrive with a reputation, a bit of a rock star, he played in a rugby match and he got kicked in the head and he got detached retinas. Which meant that, you know, surgery at that time was very different from now. That he had to lie in a dark room for hours on end. And he'd have this real painful surgery. And this is a man who just read all the time. Mm -hmm. Suddenly he couldn't read. And that must have been, just as he was about to launch into his great academic sort of career, he had to sort of jump back a little bit. And I found that that was quite interesting about him. His father was a wonderful, he was a minister in, in, in Scotland, and he was a fantastic orator. He was a great, you know, his sermons were legendary. So, you know, it was must have been tough for Gordon to sort of listen to that every weekend whenever he stood up. You know, he had, yeah. he had a figure in his head who he had to match. <sighs> so there was lots of things I found out about him. I, I went and sat outside his house for ages. I'm surprised, you know. Even, <laughs> yeah, you know. That's often frowned upon. <laughs> yeah, it is rather. I'm surprised there wasn't a knock on my car door. Uh, and I'm, I spoke to Lotto. I didn't speak to him at that point. I've met him subsequently yeah. and, and like him a lot. I mean, I admire him greatly. So, But what I found in him was a man who had a really, you know, he, a real compassion yeah, and you know he's proved that since really, and I think you know him and Sarah are people who have great concern and passion for people who are in difficult circumstances, mm. and I think he's really that came across. You know? And you really brought that sort of humanity to mm. the role of him. It's it's almost a shame that the electorate didn't get to see more of that side of him. It's totally it's such a shame, but I mean I think that is the that's sort of the dichotomy, isn't it? You know, you have Blair who had all of that. Yeah. He, you know, he was someone who could make a speech at the drop of a hat. He was really comfortable in front of the camera. He had a great self-awareness of him, you know, how he dressed, how he walked, how he talked, you know. He, you know, the great thing about Blair or the telling thing about Blair was when he was younger, he wanted to be an actor. And I think there was something that came yeah. out. Gordon always wants to be a politician. That's what he wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And slightly, he was he was just born a little too late, I think. I think, you know, the idea of how we viewed our politicians at that time, the scrutiny they were under, the, the, the television cameras, all that, were not really cut out for him. He wasn't really cut out for that. He was probably needed to be in that mould a couple of years earlier. But, you know, he he really did 
I, you know, the more I got to know about him, the more I admired him, really. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it all comes down to to charisma, isn't it? In the end, that's it's, the, uh, yeah. But it's uh, also about how you do that. I mean, the the other the the flip side of that is sometimes our politicians are too polished. You know, yeah. they're they're all in media school, they're all doing stuff, they're all getting questions. You know, they're all you know getting very concerned about what they and they have to because of the way that we pick over everything and you know uh, you know the way things are turned and spun so the, there's a cautiousness that i don't think is helpful to anybody really. mm. indeed well thank you very much i think that's no. all we have time for well, it's a um, pleasure to be here it's about 26 degrees outside but yeah. whatever your plans are this evening i suggest you cancel them <laughs> and park yourself in front of bbc2 at 9 p.m or i believe all four episodes are available to you can stream. see it all on iplayer if you want to on if iPlayer. you so wish and you can do that from the garden from the park Anywhere. wherever you like if you're signed up to the iplayer you can do it Definitely. David Morrissey, thank you very much. Thank you very much. This week, three films of such lethal cunning have opened in an attempt to make some of that sweet pre-Avengers dollar. (laughs) And let's start with the one that has the most, the easiest to say title uh, of the year. And that is, of course, let me just get this absolutely 110% right. The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society which is the new film by Mike Newell, formerly of Blackburn Rovers in England. No, oh, wait, that's, that's a different Mike Newell. The okay, one. the other one. So the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel by Society, Hell's Bells, take it away. You're going to have to rank the Mike Newells for me after this, of course. But uh, anyway, let's <laughs> let's focus for a moment. Um, Lily James, for it is she, um, plays a writer here um, who is... Uh, is post-World War II, her name is Juliet, by the way, it's post-World War II, 1946, the war is over, things are kind of getting back to normal, and Juliet basically has a really nice life. Um, she's she's doing well as a writer, she's she's living comfortably, she has a hot boyfriend in Glenn Powell, Aww. they spend a lot of time like being glamorous at parties, it's pretty cool. That's good. Um, yeah. Um, and she's kind of, you know, beginning to house hunt, all this kind of stuff. Um, but she's still a little bit, you know, haunted, obviously, by the events of the war, especially obviously by the death. It's a ghost death. story. No, not literally haunted. Uh. Literarily haunted, oh, perhaps. Oh, snap! You're welcome. Um, but, yeah, she, she, isn't, she isn't entirely as happy as she looks, maybe. She's kind of restless. So she gets this me- letter from a member of the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, Um Dorsey Adams, who's played by Michael Husman, who is also not unglamorous. Um, and that kind of twigs her interest, um, surprisingly not because he sent a photo. Mm-hmm. And she sets off to Guernsey to learn more. So what she, she finds She swipes there, right. I mean, who would? Whatever, whatever the, uh, the, the, the equivalent is, the doing. period equivalent is. Yes, well, apparently it's just getting on a boat to Guernsey. Okay. Um, so, yeah, you basically kind of know what's going to happen here. There's a vague mystery, which is what happened to one of the book club's members who's played by Jessica Brown-Findlay and she's sort of, Juliet's sort of investigating what happened to that but there's no antagonism here, you know no one's refusing to answer her questions they're just sort of telling her answers to things and then she's piecing the parts together so it's just kind of a very nice film with lots of British character actors being extremely British and characterful what oh I know, right? Dashing um, I mean, Tom Courtenay's in there, Penelope Wilson, Catherine Parkinson. Like, it is Matthew all... Good, all Matthew Good, Matthew Good, yes. all of the people. So they're oh. just being them, you know, doing what they do. And, and it's all lovely and charming and extremely unchallenging. But sometimes that's okay. 
Uh, yeah, uh, I, I haven't seen this yet, but I have a Sunday afternoon yes. earmarked for this movie 100%. at some point. Just ahead of a double bill of Last of Summer Wine, a really good episode of Last of Summer Wine. One where Combo careens down a hill in a, a runaway bathtub, you know, one of those episodes. You know, like the classic <laughs> yeah. foggy Compo and Cleggy triumvirate rather than the one when they brought in Michael Aldridge. You don't, anyway, no, anyway don't I'm, really, getting off, I'm getting off the beaten off, path here. way off track. Yeah. But uh, so this sounds good. But the title, Helen, the title. And I know it's based on a book. It is based on not just a book, but like a really successful book. So you can't go around changing the title under circumstances, can you? You can. Nah, I mean, you could, but then you'd lose all that yummy book readership money. And I feel like exactly the kind of person who goes to this sort of Sunday afternoon film, because you're right, it's the most Sunday afternoon film ever made, um, is the kind of person who, who loves the book and who read it at their book club which may or may not serve potato peel pie and therefore they're they're into the, the yeah. title you know yeah okay so we gave it three stars three stars then for the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society uh, I want to go around the cinemas this weekend I'm not in the country this weekend sadly so I can't do it but I want to go around the cinemas and see what people call this film when they're, when they're <laughs> buying tickets um, you know what I mean it, again it may be the kind of person who absolutely knows what it's called one for the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, please. Um, you mentioned Glenn, Glenn Powell. I did, yeah. Which brings back uh, flashbacks of one of my all-time worst celebrity handshakes. Oh, no. But he's so lovely. I know. He's a lovely, lovely guy. And this was entirely on me. <laughs> but uh, we did a... We, we entered a pub quiz, a film quiz, a few years ago as Team Empire uh, for when everybody wants some came out. And the whole idea was that Richard Linklater and three of his cast members would be there. Were you there? I, no, I wasn't, but I did hear the story at the time. And and they would be assigned to different teams. They would each come and spend like 10, 15 minutes on yeah. someone's team. And so Glenn Powell was assigned at one point to our team. Mm-hmm. And uh, we 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 what were did, stuck in an answer. What did you do answer. to him? What did we, you well, do? Well, we were just stuck in an answer. And he and I both cracked the answer at the same time. And so he raised his hand in a double high five. <laughs> Okay, but he was like four feet away from me, so I just kind of raised my hands in a double high five and just did kind of did went like that, like an like an air, like yeah, like like a a raise the roof, yeah, like a what kind of thing, and and then put them away. And then Johnny Powell said to me later, he was trying to do a high five. He looked really disappointed that you didn't do it, and I went, oh no, oh no, you disappointed. Uh, Yeah, he was also John Glenn in Hidden Figures. You disappointed the first American man in space. Can, can I just, as a very quick aside before we move on, because we really should move on. <laughs> we should, yeah, um, sorry. The review of this film, uh, The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, was written by Ollie Richards. As we record this, mm-hmm. the son of a bitch is at Noma, the world's best restaurant in mm-hmm. Copenhagen. What? Yes. So, screw that guy. What's he doing there? Probably eating potato peel pie, I don't know. How did he... How did he... Just don't even talk How to him about it. How did he manage this? He's, he's posting pictures. He met the chef. I can't I can't be having with it. He met the chef? He met. He met. They met. I mean, my wife and I went to Sat Bain's restaurant and we got invited into the kitchen, but, and I thought it was pretty cool, but he's met the chef. He's met Rene Redzepi. <sighs> Correct. Apologies for the pronunciation, oh, probably. Not, not the colonel then. All right. Uh, so there we go. Three stars then for the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. And please do say it like that if you go and see it this weekend. Um, and Helen, you've been away for a long, long time, so you sure. haven't seen 
the next two films that are no, out this I'm week. Sorry. And I've been away for a long time as well. I was in Rome this week for 36 hours. So I haven't seen them either. So I know that's that, I know that is what's called in the business a James Dyer. I have pulled <laughs> a James Dyer. But I haven't seen these films. Uh, so we're going to have to just basically do a quick recap of the review in Empire Magazine and let that guide you. So the first one is the new film by Claire Denis, Let the Sun Shine In. Yeah, which is a sort of um, adult, uh, and by adult, I, I mean in this case 50-something, um, rom-com kind mm-hmm. of thing. So Juliette Binoche uh, stars, and um, apparently it's it's really funny and touching and, and very, very good, and I can't wait to see it. <laughs> and we it suck. looks good, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it does, yeah. Uh, as, as indeed does, uh, does Funny Cow, which uh, stars Maxine Peake as a lady who is trying to break into the world of stand-up comedy. This is a very unconventional and fictional biopic, which doesn't pull any punches, he said, reading off the review. And if fame has a price for Funny Cow, that is what the character's called. Uh, she's yet to settle the tab. Uh, so this is Maxine Peake, who's been really, really great on the stage and on the small screen, yeah. uh, making a splash finally on the big screen. With the with, with this, the film is written by Tony Pitts, who you'll know, you'll have seen him in a lot of things, most recently uh, in Journeyman, where he was Paddy Considine's uh, trainer. So we gave that four stars four stars for Funny Cow uh, and we get four stars as well to let the sunshine in uh, which Ian Freer says is a sexy sophisticated grown up treat uh, sounds to me like he was describing himself rather than the film but nevertheless we'll let it go uh, and this is Claire Denis most verbose movie yet an elegant spry rom-com with perceptive things to say about 50 somethings striving to find happiness when it seems in short supply so there you go that is the deeply unprofessional reviews section of the Empire podcast. Uh, please do accept my most profound and vaguely sincere apologies. We'll be back to normal next week when we'll be reviewing a little film called Squee, Infinity Squee, <laughs> which we will have seen because, as you know, I had a choice between 22 muscular, lithe, yes. powerful individuals yeah. Yeah coming together for a greater good yeah. uh, which could lead to the most just euphoric joy or the biggest crushing disappointment of my of my life yeah or Avengers Infinity War hey, hey. hey. come on yeah Works yeah on so many levels alright so people have been asking about a spoiler special Helen yes for Avengers Infinity War so that uh, Let's see what you think about this. So, as you know, the Russo brothers came in and they're going to be the guests on the main pod next week because they haven't shown the film to anybody, so we couldn't do a spoiler special with them. Sure. They want to do a spoiler special. They told me that to my face, and you may even hear it if I leave it in on the podcast next week, so it, you know it'll be legally binding in the court of law. That's, all that sort of that's stuff. That's definitely how law that's, works. That's how the law works. Uh, and you, as you know, because you used to be a barista. So, I think... If... So offensive. <laughs> <laughs> to baristas, I can't make a decent cup of coffee. So we won't be doing a spoiler special with the director. And as you know, our policy has been in the past to not have a spoiler special if we don't have an interview. I would totally, totally understand why they did do that. They hadn't, they didn't want to show the film to people two or three weeks ahead of its release in yeah. case... Because I, I was out of the country and they thought it wouldn't be fair to me. Helen had the spoiler stone. Yeah. And so she was in possession of that, which meant they couldn't do any spoilers. So the question is, and I'm throwing this open to you, the Empire listeners, do you want an Avengers Infinity War spoiler special? Uh, if so, do let us know. And we'll just, we'll do one anyway, uh, without the directors or the writers. And then hopefully down the line, maybe in a month, maybe two months, maybe three months, who knows, we'll be able to do one all in, unfettered. 
With them. With them. All right. How does that sound? Sounds peachy keen. Sounds peachy keen. All right. So if you want that to happen, do let us know and uh, and keep and peel for details. And that's it for this week's Empire Podcast, brought to you by those wonderful people at Sky Cinema. Join us next week for more film-related fun. We'll be joined by Joe and Anthony Russo, the directors of Avengers Infinity War. Uh, until that auspicious occasion, it is goodbye from Helen. Doodle. And it's goodbye from James. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. I am off to make sure that I have double-checked, double-checked setting my SkyQ box for Tuesday night, <laughs> just in case. Uh, thank you, Cinema. Put up the reds. See you next week. Bye-bye.